welcome to the High Sensory People podcast with Jane and Alicia. I'm Jane Elizabeth Aston. I'm a high sensory facilitator and spiritual connection coach. I'm all about exploring our spiritual nature, connection and alignment with who we really are. I'm Alicia May. I'm a high sensory energetic coach, facilitator and creative empath. I'm really passionate about helping those that are ready to connect with their energetic selves, own their value and truth. We're high sensory people and we want to inspire and empower all HSPs to own their amazing qualities and unique gifts. We would love you to join us on this journey. Hello everyone. Um, today we're going to be talking about managing our time um, as, as HSPs. Um, not always easy with day-to-day things, with jobs, family, partners and responsibilities. So we appreciate this is a really, really challenging um, you know, um, topic for us. Um, and I've had my own situation recently in Greece that's been um, certainly sort of eye-opening I suppose and just been a real sort of um, time of accepting and becoming just that more aware of managing my time you know I've I've been meeting my needs and managing my time a hell of a lot better in the last few years than I have done um, pre you know sort of post-trauma um, but um, with this trip it's almost like another layer has sort of opened up and um, yeah, it's been quite quite an eye opener. So we're going to start with why is it important? Why is it important for HSPs to manage our time well? I mean, personally, from the get go, for me, is I think it's essential for our. I don't like the word survival, but it kind of is for our survival. But it enables us to thrive and flourish. So I really think it's it's really important to manage our time. Why do you think it's important? Jane? Well, I think you said the key thing. I mean, it is important for for us to survive and live well and happily and not to be fighting um, exhaustion all the time, I suppose. And also because I think um, as HSPs, and, and we've talked about this before, but because of our deep processing and because we can often focus really well on things, um, we can get a lot of really high quality work or, you know, friendship connection or whatever it is done in quite a small amount of time Um, but in order to do that I've got to be firing on most of my cylinders and so whatever I do I like to be able to do it wholeheartedly whether that's resting or working or being with friends or colleagues or I like to be there with all of myself to take 100% or as near as as I can to the situation Um, and if I don't do that I become not very effective tired ill and miserable so you know, and I think taken to um, to its extreme, the 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 consequences of not managing our time well can become chronic illness, 
whether that's, you know, mental sort of health issues like anxiety because we're just rushing around too much and we're always living in the past or the future or, or you know, even things like chronic fatigue, I think, you know, it, like basically just burnout from not taking from from not managing our time and for thinking that we can do more than we really can in our HSP bodies. So that's why it's important, I mm. think. Yeah, and I've definitely had throughout my adult life um, that sort of um, ex- exertion and exhaustion, mm. um, that sort of, yeah, go, the go, boom, go. Boom, eat, bust. boom, bust. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> feast and famine and, and whatnot. And this sort of, you know, and I couldn't understand it for years. Um, and then thankfully when I found out it was HSP, it was like, oh, okay, this makes sense now. And I have to say, over the last few years, I'm not getting so much of that intense burnout as I as I was. I mean, don't get me wrong, if I've had a busy couple of weeks, you know, I'm, I'm, I might start to feel it. So then I rein things back in. I might have to cancel or reduce a couple of things that aren't necessities. They're not work demands or, or responsibilities. Um, and that really has made a difference. Because I don't know about you, Jane, but... I sort of, it wasn't even my parents, actually it wasn't my parents at all, but there was this external conditioning programming that I remember being really young, like sort of in my teens, and I was quite good at meeting my needs as a teen before I had uh, the traumas really. And I remember saying to like um, staff or or, um, managers or, or whatever bosses saying like, you know, if they said, oh, you know, what, what are you doing this weekend? Are you out tonight? And I was like, mm. no, actually, I'm I'm going to rest. Mm. Um, I'm actually just going to have a relaxing weekend and just see see where, see where the wind blows me kind of thing. And I used to get, like, verbally attacked for that. Um, I had a lot of judgment from people, like, rest? Who are you to rest? You're, you're only 18. You don't need to rest. You don't need to sleep. You should be burning the candle at both ends. That's what we did. And I was I would think, well, yeah, terrific. If that works for you, good on you. Doesn't work for me. Um, so it's it's taken me years to, to sort of reprogram that rest is as important as the doing. You know, I, I now have um, have done for a while now breaks throughout the day and they really make such a difference to my energy levels you know I I really try to have a sort of half 20 minute half an hour meditation um after lunchtime before before the afternoon and it really helps with my energy levels and my sensory um responses for the rest of the day and into the evening whereas if I've sort of kept going from from the beginning of the day to the end of the day you know I'm feeling a little bit fried in my system and it really then takes a bit longer to unwind in the evening and then the sleep might be slightly compromised you know because I think I've mentioned this before that um you know really in an ideal world we should only be working four or six hours a day and you will get your absolute optimum from a human being this idea of an eight nine hour plus day is absolutely ludicrous and there's actual science out there that that proves this and you mentioned earlier Jane that you know, with, with being HSPs, we do tend to um, be so much more productive and efficient. So we'll get we'll get done um, in four or four to six hours. What potentially a non-HSP will take maybe seven, seven or eight hours to achieve. So like you say, by managing our time, we do actually get more, more done. Um, easier said than done, because I'm going to hold up my hands now. 
you know, it's easy to get carried away in that sort of dopamine hit. It's easy to get carried away in that flow, um, you know, and it's okay to do that, you know, every so often, but we can't sustain that because we've got to have that downtime. Yeah, we really have. And, you know, and it is possible, I think, to carve out lives for ourselves that can really work in this way. And it's taken me a while um, because, you know, I've known I'm HSP for more than 10 years and it's about 12 years now. And I've been self-employed for 13 years. And during that time, I've really, you know, kind of just been able to cut and it's, it's taken, it's taken years, but I've been able to carve out a life where as a self-employed person, I rarely work more than 20, 25 hours a week. I would say that's probably, it's probably about 20 hours a week on average. Um, And I do usually probably a bit of work four or five days a week. So that's probably about four hours a day, five days a week. That's what I do. That works for me. That's sustainable for me. And also, because I'm self-employed and because I spread out my work across my week like that, it's really sustainable for me. And I earn actually often more than I did when I was employed and worked a 35, 40 hour week. So it is just a matter of harnessing our abilities of working effectively um, and working, you know, with our talents and gifts rather than trying to fight to do things we're not designed to do. Um, yeah, so, you know, I think it. if we really honour this and if we really, you know, do manage our time well, and even if at the moment you're in a place where it feels impossible to do that because you have... <clears throat> a full-time job and other responsibilities well that used to be me and slowly slowly over the years I've kind of just made little steps towards yeah towards where I am now which has kind of got me from a position of the boom bust burning out having to take time off work regularly getting ill all the time to now where you know I still do get ill I mean probably more than you Alicia don't I I sort of come down with more sort of viruses and stuff that's just the way I was put together um but I actually build in sufficient time to my schedule so that I've usually and this sounds you know probably slightly defeatist and and maybe is something for me to work on but I've usually got time to be ill when I need to be or not even time to be ill but if I feel that I've got a cold coming on or, you know, maybe a sore throat, headache, whatever. I've got time to rest sufficiently so that it doesn't turn into something much worse. Yeah. That's, so that's really important as well. So I definitely approach it by working hard and then having downtime and rest and then doing things that I enjoy as well. And also doing things that I need to do to keep me well. So there's probably four main components to my life. Work, rest, joy, active self-care. Mm. And building in all four of those is really important. So work is only a quarter. Mm, nice. Yeah. Nice. 
Yeah, because we're, we're talking from the standpoint of, you know, with... I don't know, fortunate, I don't know if that's the right word, um, that we don't have responsibilities, we don't have dependents, you know, we don't have children, so we are in a position to manage our time that bit easier, I suppose. Um, and so I appreciate people that have those responsibilities of, of children and a full-time job. It is not as easy, but if you can build that time um, in around your current schedule, whether it is, you know, you finish work, and you go and sit somewhere in a nice sort of spot in the countryside or something just for half an hour before you go home or before you pick the kids up or, you know, in the evening you can say to your partner, look, I'm, I'm going to go out for a walk for half an hour or you take the car and you drive and you sit and watch the sunset for half an hour. You know, whatever it is that you need because you know in your heart, in your in your body that it will just make you happier. It will just make you have that little bit more energy or that focus you know whatever whatever it is and you know like James saying you know it's taken you a while to get this I'm still learning about myself and this recent trip you know I realized you know from the get-go you know I, I had my cycle and then that derailed me I wasn't expecting that and then sort of a bit of sleep deprivation and then I just sort of got into these old habits and programming for a little bit and sort of bit of people pleasing and you've been amazing Jane at helping me figure these things things out and I was you know at the end of the day I was sort of frying my system um you know with us having dinner together you know it was lovely on one level but actually at home I wouldn't socialize with anybody more than one night a week um you know because sort of five six evenings a week I like to just start to unwind from basically seven o'clock because I'm often awake anything from 5, 6 a.m. So I like a good three hours to decompress before I go to bed about 10-ish. Um, you know, that first hour, you know, it's it's cooking or it's having dinner, it's maybe watching an episode because then I have about an hour and a half, two hours before I go to bed where there's or sleep, where there's just no tech and that really, really works for me. Um, again, everybody's different, everybody's got their own own routine. But for me, I, I do have to get away from the screen time and that stimulation because like we were saying, we are quite high functioning and I have a tendency to keep going and keep going and I've got to stop because that's when the boom and the bust cycle happens with me. So it's just, but it's practice. I feel like I'm still learning. I'm still having to make tweaks here and there. And when I go back to the UK in a few weeks, you know, that's going to be a sort of slightly back to my old schedule, but not quite. Um, you know, I might be looking for a slightly different B job um, to the one I, I was doing. So that could then change my schedule a bit. So then I have to just, you know, readjust here and there. Um, but it, it's trial and error, isn't it? it? It it can be. Yeah, it really can. You know, and you just talked about some sort of challenges and you know overcoming them there. And 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 if I think back to my, you know, most recent challenge, it was um, it's three three years ago now, when uh, my then partner Andy and I got a puppy. We got a Labrador puppy. And, uh, you know, I, I, as you know, if you've listened to any of these, you probably know, I, you know, I don't have children and, and neither does Alicia. And um, but, I, you know, I have raised a puppy from nine weeks old to two years and it gave me a little taste of what it 
must be like to be responsible for another little tiny helpless human being because this puppy could not be left alone for more than you know one minute not even a minute she'd start barking the house down and because we lived in uh, a house with um, a lower ground floor flat beneath us um, and you know neighbours joined on in a sort of a terraced sort of row of terraced houses we couldn't afford to have a, a dog barking at all hours of the day and night, barking at four in the morning, barking at 11 at night. You know, the neighbours were complaining and, and, and I ended up, you know, not being able to manage my time very well at all because I had to, for a time, put the needs of this little creature above me as well as the difference, I think, between, you know, when people have, when most women have a baby and having a puppy was I had no maternity leave and I was still having to earn a living exactly the same as usual to pay, you know, to pay the uh, the costs of, you know, keeping a roof over our heads and, you know, food in the fridge and, and all of that and puppy food and all the things that come with having a, you know, having a, a little one. Um, and it was really, really hard work. It was terribly hard. And I remember thinking, I've got no time I haven't got enough time to do the things that I need to do to keep myself well. So, you know, I couldn't sleep like I usually could because I would be up in the night with the puppy. Um, the whole time I wasn't looking after the puppy, which was basically 50% of the time and my then partner was looking after the puppy 50% of the time. And the other time I was either trying to sleep or earn a living um, or... I think when the puppy got to two months, I started going back to, or when after we'd had her for two months, I started going back to face-to-face -face recovery meetings because that was just getting so detrimental to me. So I do really understand sometimes this stuff has to take a back seat, but my own experience of it was that it was so detrimental to me. It took me months to recover from that so I suppose that's why it's important as well and, and I guess you know what it showed me was <laughs> that it's like what Elaine Aaron says having children is a great decision for HSPs because we tend to be really good at it we tend to be really good at you know intuiting our children's needs but also not having children as HSPs is also a really good decision because it is terribly terribly hard on our um, on our lives and our nervous systems and the choices that we have to make really when we are choosing between mm. keeping something else alive and giving ourselves what we need. Well, we are going to choose usually keeping somebody, you know, another little soul alive. We're going to have to choose that, but it will be to our detriment for a, for a time. And, um, you know, I, and what I found was, I think, you know, in, um, in, in, uh, other societies well it takes a village to raise a child and the more help I could pull in from friends um, to help with with Rosa the puppy the the easier it got for me to just take a little bit of what I needed so I suppose what that also shows is sometimes in order to manage our time as HSPs we have to ask for help yeah, absolutely. Asking help for help is is massive. And I know coming to you, Jane, with the recent weeks, you know, if I coming to you and sort of it wasn't literally saying help, but it was saying, actually, Jane, um, 
do you know what? I've, I've completely ne- neglected my needs um, for the evenings. Um, I need I need help with this in a sense. It's like the, these are my needs. You know, can can we change it? And and thank goodness you're a, you're an HSP as well, so you understand. And you know, all all is well. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I remember when I nannied. I was about twenty four and. Um, I didn't know I was an HSP then and um, I remember just I mean it is always different when it's when it's with your kids very I completely completely appreciate that but um, yeah these obviously weren't my kids and I remember sort of thinking at 24 thinking like shit (laughs) like where where do you have a life you know kids take up like 90% of your headspace your energy your time your emotions you know and then there's the kind of sort of 10% that you might get to yourself um and I didn't have a partner at the time so at least that 10% was all me but my god it absolutely sort of on one level killed me um on another level it was a fantastic experience because I learned a lot about what it takes to look after to kids and, and bring them up and and kudos to those that do because um you know it I think it is the the hardest job, um, you know, and it, it takes takes a lot of resilience. I mm. think a lot a lot of resilience, and like you said, it really does take a village to raise a child. Um, it um, it really does, doesn't it? It does, and I think you said something really important, and you know, uh, the the importance of asking for what we need so if we take this recent experience with you know you finding it really difficult to settle and calm enough to sleep well yeah and that's really really fundamental for you know I think for every person but certainly for HSPs sleep can be difficult because we're such deep processors and we have to allow ourselves enough time to process and calm and settle and our nervous systems to you know come right down off whatever alert they've been on all day to the point where we can let go enough to sleep and stay asleep or at least be able to get back to sleep quickly when we wake up and and so get enough sleep and I know you know you really struggled with that Mm. and um what you did which is so so good and I think this is definitely uh, a sort of a top tip really for 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 people and you know if I'd been able to do this when I was a bit younger it would have been good too is to say I've realized I need this I've realized that because of the way I'm put together I need this to be okay I need to do most of my evenings on my own that's what I need what you could have done and you didn't was go you said we've got to have dinner together (laughs) it's your fault that I'm so tired project yes and I think helpful no and I think in the past you know certainly when I was a lot younger I did project that it was other people's fault, you know, in my 20s or whatever, before I knew anything about being HSP and when I was in addiction, I did project, they made me do this, they made me do that, they made me stay up late, they made me go to that party and now I feel terrible and it's all their fault. It was it was literally that I had no boundaries and it was literally that I didn't even know what my needs were. So I think one of the really important things in how to manage our time as HSPs is know what our needs are own them be really clear about what we need 
without judgment, without comparison, and state those needs to others so that we're able to take what we need. Yeah, and you know what? I've uh, with this trip, I've I've realised that um, I've actually got trauma relating to past experiences that were actually abroad. Yes, I've had them at home, but definitely abroad, where I've spoken my truth. I've been in my authentic truth, and I've said to the people that I'm staying with or living with, I've said, look, these these are my needs. You know, is there any chance? You know, one prime example is. Um, I, I was in, in the French Alps sharing a room, obviously in hindsight, what the F was I thinking? Um, but it seemed like a good idea at the time or at least an experience. And I'd said to these two other girls, you know, when they came, again, I knew my needs. I need quiet evenings. I've had a busy day. I, I need to go to sleep. I'm tired. Um, they would go off and, and do the nightlife thing a few few nights a week more than me. And they would come in at sort of 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, putting on the main light. And I politely said, you know, is there any chance you can just use your mobiles? You know, because that's a bit darker or, or less invasive. It doesn't wake me up so much. And they just totally verbally attacked me and made me out to be the problem and that my needs were insignificant maybe I shouldn't even be there um whereas the way I was brought up with my family is we wouldn't even contemplate sticking on main lights at crazy o'clock in the morning we wouldn't do that to somebody but that's just my upbringing that's my conditioning um whether I'm HSP or not I think um whereas yeah these girls so And I've had other instances in my life where I've stated my needs and been verbally attacked. So, you know, it's interesting that when you're, um, yeah, you know, being tired, um, I wasn't quite thinking straight and sort of some trauma was coming up, some sensations were coming up. um, And thank goodness I'm here with Jane, who I can say, these are my needs and I'm now meeting them and it's it's made a massive difference. And it, it is really hard when you've had traumas connected with your needs because it really takes time. It takes a lot of courage, but it's absolutely worth persevering with owning your needs and verbalising them because, you know, we're never going to keep everybody happy. But by keeping us happy... That is the key. That is important. Yeah, and I often think, you know, imagine a world where everybody made sure they got their own needs met as best they could and how well that world would work, Mm. where everybody really truly took responsibility for themselves once they were, you know, old and able enough, everybody who could. It would be a much less messed up world Um, certainly in the West you know our boundaries are generally all over the place we expect so much of others Mm. and and ignore our own needs Um, yes yes and And there's judgment as well isn't there like for me not so much my parents but again this external um, sort of conditioning program of meeting your needs how dare you be so selfish yeah you know who are you to put yourself first oh, I, I definitely have experienced and, and continue to um, you know sometimes experience some sort of raised eyebrows from 
let's say the the generation above me when I talk about some of the ways I manage my time and meet my needs as though well yeah how dare I be so selfish but actually that's really important for me in order to be able to show up and be of service in the world perhaps not so much to those people but to other people yeah exactly so yeah it's uh it's not an overnight fix no it's not it's not and you know we've sort of like um meandered a little bit into kind of boundaries and you know stating our needs and stuff but in terms of managing our time I think that is really those are the things that govern how well I manage my time really knowing what my needs are and being really clear about what I will and won't do the ways that I will do things Mm. um yeah I I mean because well we we actually schedule in alone time don't we in the day you know I was saying about the meditation in the middle of my day most days if I do that that really helps I know you've said with your work and your schedule with meetings and things um you know you schedule in downtime throughout the day whereas we're programmed to kind of only have downtime in the evenings and I appreciate for some people you know that that is the case um and I have to, you know, manage my schedule and being self-employed, you know, we really have to. But then I do find um, I like to have a good day or two a week where there isn't anything scheduled in that day and it's open, it's unstructured. For me, I have to have a minimum of one day a week solo where it's unstructured and I don't see anybody. That really gears me up for, for the week ahead Um, And that for me really is managing my time and my energy. Yes, yes. And I do it slightly differently, which I think shows that there's all sorts of different ways to manage our time effectively. So I don't necessarily need a whole unstructured day a week and I don't necessarily need a day when I don't see anyone. Although those things often do crop up, but I spread my, you know, work, social self-care all of that I just spread it fairly evenly Mm. across the week and I don't mind doing work at weekends that's fine for me whereas you know sometimes I say to people um or they might you know a friend might go oh and what are you doing you know over the weekend and I say well you know I'm doing a bit of work and you know yeah I've got to catch up on some you know sort of administration or whatever and they'll kind of go oh no working at the weekend oh poor you and I and I and I usually go don't feel sorry for me because I don't really ever work on a Friday and I don't really ever work a seven hour day so you know it swings and roundabouts Mm -hmm. isn't it it's what kind of keeps me it's all about sustainability for me with the boom and bust in my past of you know racing to get stuff done working really hard burning out having to take you know this is this is a common thing for those of us who've experienced um you know sort of like or like long-standing addiction as well um it, it is how we lived the highs and the lows and so now I just try and keep things more in the middle um yeah mm, fantastic so do we have any um top tips downtime building regular downtime that's always my top tip around managing time um yeah just just 
Alone time, yeah. Alone time, downtime, nature yeah. time. Nature time, building a bit of nature time. So even... And play. Yeah, I mean, and, and nature time can be play. Yeah. I mean, today... After this, I've got to do, um, I've got, you know, a, a work appointment, uh, which will take me about an hour. And then I've got another sort of, you know, work appointment, a couple of hours or an hour or so later. In between, I'm going to go outside and eat my lunch. I'm going to take my, you know, I'm going to pack up a bit of lunch, put it in a bag, walk down the road and, you know, sit on the edge of the sea. I'm really fortunate at the moment. It's very easy for me to do that. Uh, But if I was at my uh, home in the UK, in Brighton, I could go and do that in the local park, which is, you know, five, ten minutes walk away. So there's usually a way to build in a little bit of really restorative downtime, even into a general working day and that can make all the difference mm. and one thing that I was going to say was that we did this we managed our time even around this podcast we were originally going to record this episode last week yes and that's right. you were a bit frazzled I think I was knackered yeah and I just owned it I was like Jane do you know what I'm knackered oh that's right we'd booked it in for later in the day and we yes, both realized we, we were a bit well, I was cooked and it was sort of, I, I sort of ran out of steam. And I was quite tired as well because I think I'd already done, you know, a couple of appointments that day. And so we said, let's do it next week. Let's just wait. Yeah. It'll be okay. Yeah. A few days won't make any difference. It's fine. Absolutely. Take and the pressure uh, off. it has been better off doing it today. It yeah. really, really has. Yeah. And just, you know, for those that do work in offices, when I was doing a nine to five job in an office, donkeys years ago now um i obviously uk i appreciate not so doable in the winter but i would try and go for a walk around the block sort of thing and go to the local park because it wasn't far from me but in the summer months religiously i would always go to the park um from sort of spring until autumn wrap up and i would eat my lunch in the park and that just for that hour it really did make such a difference for the afternoon, just away from people, away from the busy office. Um, that really did help. And I was only about 23, 22, and that really helped back then. Yes, yes, I think that's a great tip. And, and to add to that, I think when I am in those sort of nature places, it does me well to really immerse myself in those places, not be on my phone, not be thinking about the problem that I left behind in the office or at my desk or whatever it was, but to really look at the colours, the textures, sm- the smells, the sounds, really, really, you know, that kind of mindfulness approach where I am really taking it in and I am really present in that space that makes it more restorative for me Um, and is another really good example, I think, of managing that little chunk of time Mm. to maximum effect. Yeah, Yeah, when when I've needed that sort of time to myself, it's a case of, I, you know, I've had to say to myself, I need this time, I deserve this time, I need this time and that really helps. It's like, no, I'm going to turn my phone off or I'm going to hide it or whatever it is that I need to do. It's like, no, I'm going to sit here or I'm going to, whatever I'm doing, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm not going to take my phone, whatever it is. It's like, no, no, I need this. I need yeah. this for myself. I'm honouring my needs. 
so much of what we have to do as HSPs as a real foundational piece is honouring our needs because they are different. And they are more extensive, I'm going to say. The basic needs. We have more extensive, more finely tuned basic needs than 70 to 80% of the population. And that can make us feel really defective when we're younger and it's not recognised. You know, that is my story right from, I'm going to say, birth. And um, it, it can make us, you know, grow up into, you know, children, teenagers, young adults feeling so completely wrong. But actually, we're not wrong at all. We just didn't know that we had different needs and like you said at the beginning of this podcast we we process everything so deeply and intensely whether it's a conversation Mm. whether it's an interaction with a shop whether it's hearing a snippet of news on the radio it's so many things if it's your child crying you know it's a whole body mind soul experience for us Mm. and so we've got to factor in um, that downtime and manage our time so we don't overburden and overwhelm the system. Yeah. Because we do function very differently. Yes, and if we do that, we also function very, very well. So, you know, one of the key things for me managing my time well for, you know, the whole day really is taking time in the morning to, and I know you do this as well, um, journal morning pages as in the artist's way by julia cameron three pages of free writing and it doesn't matter what comes out but that is that has become i've been doing it for getting on for a couple of years now and that has become an integral part of my processing first thing in the morning it finishes off any unmet processing uh, and and kind of resolving needs from the day before and overnight and then after that i meditate for only 15 minutes don't do long and then that leaves me with what feels like a and then I do a few stretches um I mean what the whole thing takes just over half an hour just over 30 minutes maybe 40 minutes and it leaves me with a really nice clean slate on which to put the rest of the day Mm. it's really helpful I used to do some core exercises as well and I do think I might need to add those back in but, you know, I'm not a saint and sometimes I just think, do you know what, I just want my breakfast. Sometimes needs must, doesn't it's, it? It's all about balancing and negotiating with myself constantly. What are my needs? Balancing that with the instant gratification of, yeah, but I really want my breakfast now. So this is an ongoing balancing act for me. And back onto the pages, because you're right, I do do them. And I actually find some days I need to do them in the evening and yeah okay I'm not going to watch that second episode of Netflix I'm going to write how my day's been because maybe a lot's happened maybe something disruptive's happened maybe something upsetting has happened in that day and I find journaling it before I go to bed takes it out of my mind Mm. because if I don't do that I then have I tend to then have a broken night's sleep I tend to have nightmares around it and it just hangs around until the next day whereas I do find sort of getting out the day writing things I'm grateful for um you know things that I've I'm proud that I've done you know whatever it is and things that have upset me or or whatever it really helps that sort of for me that unwinding that decompression um in the evening at the end of the day so yeah 
Yeah, that's a good one. And I, um, you know, in th- those of you in 12-step recovery will probably kind of recognise the concept of doing a, a step 10 at night where we review our day and we say what went well, what didn't go well, you know, what we're grateful for, what we, you know, would like to do better next time, whether we owe anyone an amend. And I don't generally do that in a formal way, but what I do do <coughs> virtually every night is I write a gratitude list. And in that gratitude list, I sort of condense the day the things that I'm grateful for the things that you know and I also like to sometimes turn around the things that were difficult into I'm really grateful that I got through that and I've you know learned something from it or at least I don't have to do it tomorrow that sort of thing so I think yeah that also is start is part of my processing and and part of managing my time in terms of putting things from the day to bed getting myself in like a peaceful place so that I manage my sleep better mm-hmm. yep agreed mm. fantastic well hopefully people got something out of today's episode hope so I mean I you know sometimes I think gosh I think we've said a lot of this before but not to worry hopefully I need a lot of repetition I do as well I mean isn't it like you need to hear something 60 times before you remember it or something daft Something like Something that. Something like yeah. that. I, prob- I thought it was 15, but somebody said to me recently it was 60. I was like, oh, wow, that, that would make sense. Well, in my 50s, you know, my memory can like have holes in, so possibly I need it even more than that. So, um, yes, anyway, we, um, yeah, we hope you got something from, from this or related to it. So let's share how people can contact us and find out more about us. So, yeah, you can find me at janeelizabethaston.com. So it's Elizabeth with a Z. Um, or on Instagram at janeelizabethaston. I specialise with working in HSPs like me uh, who, are, who are like, I'm going to start that again. I specialise in working with HSPs who, like me, are in 12-step recovery. But you don't have to be 12-step to work with me. So you can DM me on Insta or book a free discovery call from my website. If you want to explore more of your value and energetic self, you can find me at alicia-may.com. So that's May as in the month. I offer a free discovery call, um, which can be booked via my website. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening. We'd love to hear your questions or comments and we'd be so grateful if you could subscribe, review, like and share this podcast. Bye for now. Bye for now.